0: visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Does money cause you stress? When a new life situation arises, do you worry how that will affect your budget and cash flow? Managing money is not always easy, but learning how to plan, set, and adjust goals as needed can help keep stress to a minimum and your financial success on a steady course. Welcome to Money Counts, Unleashing Your Money's Hidden Potential, with host Debbie Peterson. Your future plan starts right here. Here's Debbie.
1: Hello, this is Debbie Peterson at Money Counts. We are on our third show of talking about unleashing your money's hidden potential. And I wanted to just do a real quick review on what our company does is we try to help you learn things that will be helpful to make your money go further and to help you reach your goals more quickly. And we've been talking the last two weeks about some tips and places where we commonly find that money could be arranged a little bit better so that you would have more of it to direct towards your goals of whatever they are, whether it's something fun to do or something necessary to do. Um, And some of the things that cause us not to do these things is either we didn't learn much about them at school or from our parents, and times have certainly changed over the years. But there's also a number of things that we may not recognize that we like to call money myths, and those are beliefs that you have that you've heard over and over again so often that you don't even question them when it's time to make a decision. And not that anything is a bad idea or belief is a bad belief, but there are times when those things make sense and then there are many times when they don't. And if we don't question them, we won't think about it and before we've made the decision. So we're trying to raise your awareness some about uh, things that you may not even know that you believe. And I can give a little bit of an example of that because my dad put me on a budget when I was eight years old. And it was a monthly budget. So an eight-year-old having money to pay for my clothing, (laughs) my lessons, school lunches, anything I needed had to come out of that money. And you know it seemed to me like an enormous amount at the beginning of the month. And then it seemed to me like, Why wasn't it more by the end of the month? And I had to go do some little jobs around the house. I wasn't old enough to babysit or anything. Uh, But my dad had always believed that if you did a perfect plan, you should never have any problems with it. He thought you could plan everything and have it work. And that was because he was an engineer. And that's what engineers need to do is they need it to work right all the time, not just part of the time. But life isn't like that. So I didn't realize that I had that belief stuck in the back of my head. And here what I do for a living is I do planning with people. And I know for sure you can't do a perfect plan. Certainly not a perfect plan that's going to cover the rest of your life. But way there in the back of my head was if it didn't work... Dad said you did something wrong. So you may have those kinds of beliefs stuck in your head. And part of what we're doing by discussing different topics is to get you to be thinking about things in maybe a different way than you have before. And if you're sharing financial situation with your family or um, any other people, that you make sure that you do have those discussions and you see what you each believe because they could be quite opposite each other and you may both be assuming you feel the same way until you get to the point where one of you did something that the other one thinks is outrageous and you didn't know that that was what they thought so it's you know just ways of communicating about things we do thinking a little bit more about them before we do them instead of after i think will give you better results Uh, Last week, we talked about three of the biggest places where we find opportunity, and the first one was taxes, how you pay your taxes, how you account for your taxes, if you're self-employed, some of the things you can do, how to make sure you're getting all the deductions that you're eligible for. One thing we didn't cover there that I think is important is a lot of people are afraid they're going to get audited at some point, and so if there's anything that's a least little bit questionable to them, they don't take advantage of that deduction or that way of reporting income. If you do take a deduction and it turns out the IRS does audit you and they Think that that deduction is questionable. They will give you a chance to explain why you thought it was all right. And even if they deny it, it is not going to be something that is going to follow you for the rest of your life. It's a one-time thing. They make an adjustment to your taxes. They will uh, maybe have a little bit of penalty or interest, but it's not going to be a huge repercussion. And some of the things that we don't take, like maybe mileage for our car when we're eligible, some donations, if they're not properly documented, just get the documentation, keep track of things, keep good records. You will be able to defend yourself if what you were doing was something that you believed was right. It's entirely different if what you're doing is you're trying to evade taxes evading taxes is always illegal and that will get you in trouble but if you just have a question about something make sure you ask somebody who does taxes for a living Maybe ask a couple of different people what their interpretation is because some people have more experience in different industries than others do. So if you're a real estate investor, for instance, you want to work with an accountant or a tax preparer who's very familiar with all the ins and outs in real estate, how depreciation can be taken, things like that. Um, It's really important to work with people who are familiar with your situation and not just generalists when you get into those kinds of questions. One of the other areas we talked about where there's a lot of opportunity to make changes to your cash flow is if you own a home, how you financed it. And this is one of the areas where I find a lot of money myths come into play. We, um, in my generation in particular, were taught to believe that you had to have your money, uh, your house paid off as soon as you could. You definitely wanted to have it paid off before you retired. And that was just a given. Nobody thought it more about it than that. That was your main goal. Well, we're living longer now, and some of the money that we pay towards paying off our house, we really may need to live on in retirement. So those two goals are in conflict with one another, and we need to understand which side of the conflict best suits us. In some cases, it's great to have your house paid off. In other cases, it really straps you for cash flow and you can't afford to do it, even though you might think it's a good idea. So we want to evaluate those kinds of things and see what works best for our situation. And under the current economy and current opportunities of different types of mortgages that are available, if you know you're going to be moving in, five or six years, you might want to look into a five-year arm instead of a 30-year fixed or 15-year. Also, I find that when interest rates are low, people don't realize that it really doesn't pay them very much to sign up for a 15-year mortgage versus a 30-year mortgage. It obligates you to a higher payment to the bank and it's difficult to renegotiate if that payment becomes too high for you because it may be that your financial situation isn't as good as it was when you made that agreement. Uh, But by paying the same payment on your 30-year mortgage as you would have on a 15-year mortgage, it will retire that mortgage in very close to 15 years, maybe 15 years and six months. But you have the flexibility If that's not convenient for you, you need to take a break from that higher payment, it's up to you to make that change instead of having to go re-qualify. So those are just a couple of examples of things around uh, home financing that can make a big difference in your cash flow. And then uh, the third thing that we covered was credit card management, and I think we've all had some experience with that. And a story I didn't share, but... uh, I was reminded of is uh, just before, maybe two years before we had the recession, say 2006 when things were looking really good, Chase came out with a credit card with 5.99% interest for the life of the credit card. They were not able to take, change your interest rate and make it higher than that. When the recession hit and everybody just thought that was just great, they decided to change the payment terms. They couldn't change the interest rates. So instead of your minimum pay, payment being maybe $50 or $100, if you had a balance, it jumped up to 500 to $700. So even if people were really happy with the interest rate, they couldn't afford to make those great big payments necessarily, particularly when the economy was so bad. So they had to find another way to pay off that balance so that they weren't obligated to those larger payments. So those are just some things that can happen to you that you may not be aware of. So... Um these are tips for you to be thinking about, well, do you understand your interest rates on your credit cards and how your loan is set up on your home if you have one? Car loans can also be another place where we can be looking at, have you used the best resources to pay for a car? You are certainly welcome to take these tips and, you know, go off on your own and try to work on improving your cash flow but if you'd like uh, some help from us we're available to do those sorts of things and we do not charge you for consulting time at least currently Uh, we're not planning on that Uh, and you can send uh, us an inquiry at mcradio at moneycounts.biz if you have a question or you'd like to get in touch with us to set up some time for a conversation we would be really happy to hear from you Today, what we thought we would talk about are opportunities in types of insurances that we have where you might find some money that's um, not being used as well as it could. And I know most people do not like insurance because when you get ready to make a claim, quite often there's some hidden reason in whatever policy you have why the claim is not going to be paid as you had hoped. Or there's some expenses that... Uh, may not be qualified under the claim, you may have some deductibles, all those sorts of things. But we all like insurance when it is available to us to help us with some of those larger expenses if you're in a car accident or you have a, a problem at your house. So we're going to talk a little bit first about property and casualty insurance because that impacts pretty nearly everyone. And there are different types. So we're going to start with um, homeowners, property insurance, which could also be rental insurance if you're a renter. Um, and it could also be you might be owning a property that is going to be used as a rental property, and that is a different style of insurance also. But some of the things that they all have in common is most Uh, policies will have some sort of a deductible, and that's the amount of money that you must pay before your um, expenses above that will be covered by the insurance company. And what we have found is that most of us do not turn in small claims on homeowner's insurance because it's really there for major uh, events that happen, a fire or a tree falling on your home or something like that. If you tend to try and turn in some small claims, your premiums are bound to go up and you may also find yourself having trouble getting insurance. Many companies, after you've had two claims in a certain period of time or even two inquiries in a certain period of time, will ask you to find another carrier and it may not be too easily done. So that is just something to be aware of. But we think a $1,000 deductible is a pretty good amount for most people because we generally will not turn in those smaller claims. The deductible uh, applies when you have a claim that involves property damage and also would apply in the case of a liability uh, that you might have. So for homes... You know, big property damage, as I mentioned, would be maybe a fire. Um, could be water damage, which might need its own separate policy. Uh, if you're in a flood zone, you want to understand what your policy covers. It's um, it's important that you also try to document what is in your home. And these days, with a, uh, put a timestamp on your cell phone if you have one and take a video with a little bit of a narrative so you can say, well, you know, I have this and this and this is particularly um, hard to replace, things like that so that you remember if, you, if they should be destroyed and a fire will destroy things beyond recognition that and you're already under stress that you will be able to reconstruct what you need to in order to make good claims on your property. So we feel that's important. Another thing that happens with uh, the property side of a homeowner's coverage is when you first buy your house and you, your bank will tell you why you need to get it insured if you have a mortgage and they want to be first lien holder. And what happens with that is um uh, they are going to say, you know, here's here's how much we think the minimum amount of property coverage you need need will be. And you get them a certificate and everything's going along well, but you may not look at it for several years. And over that period of time you may find that for instance, since we went through a recession and home values went down and then they went back up again it may be that your um, replacement cost or your insured value is out of line with what current replacement costs are, current market values are. And there's also um, your property has value, your, your land has value all by itself. So if you look at your property coverage and it says 200000 and that's all you could sell your house for you may well be overinsured because your lots probably worth twenty five or thirty thousand dollars by itself so every couple of years at least it's worth going through looking at those sort of things and and getting a new estimate your actual uh, personal property inside your house is usually a percentage value of what you have for your um, dwelling coverage So you can't really change that, but if your dwelling coverage is in line with where it should be, that coverage should be adequate for most people. And then you want to look at some specialty clauses if you have any valuables, uh, collectibles, antiques, artwork, things like that, and make sure you have a rider or that they're specified in your insurance policy that those things are covered for you because that can be very disheartening. Um, if you can't replace something that you found was um, really of value to you. We're getting ready to um, go to a break in just a minute or two. When we come back, we're going to be talking about some things about auto insurance. And um, Nicole Maloney is with me. She's one of my teammates. And she's going to cover that topic. And she's just had a uh, car accident recently that was not her fault so she's going to give you a few things she learned from that situation so I hope you'll find that helpful and um, We do want you to get in touch with us if you feel that uh, you could recommend some topics for us to discuss on some of these shows. We'd be very interested in hearing what you think. And the way to do that, again, is uh, email at mcradio at moneycounts.biz. You can also contact us um, on our website, www.moneycounts.biz and there's uh, quite a few videos and different things on there that you may also fit, find as good resources to you, for you to use when you're thinking about particular topics that we may not have covered yet. Uh, we hope that you'll take advantage of those and please give us some feedback if you feel the information we're providing to you is helpful. We will be back in a few minutes.
0: Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement, often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Brokers Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North North Carolina, 28226. Phone number 704 315
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit MoneyCounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to MC Radio at MoneyCounts.biz. That website, again, is MoneyCounts.biz. Now back to this week's program.
1: Hi, this is Debbie Peterson. Welcome back to our show today. We're talking about different types of insurances and how you might find some money that you could apply to other things that are much more fun. Uh, We're about to talk about auto coverage and some insight into that. And Nicole Maloney, my teammate and another advisor in our company, is going to be covering that. So go ahead, Nicole. Oh, well, auto insurance.
2: Um, It's funny, Debbie asked me to talk today about it because uh, of uh, a recent accident that I had. Um, I was hit from behind. So uh, auto insurance coverage is fresh on my mind. When you're looking at your auto insurance coverage, you're going to have your collision and your personal liability coverage. Um, Same that Debbie talked about with your home and thinking about your deductible, you want to, you could save some money there by having a higher deductible around $1,000 is what we see because we're not going to usually file a claim um, less than that on our automobile because it could make our insurance go up depending on the situation. Um, Some of the other things that you can have are some of those extra coverage that um, you may want to have. In my example I'll give you is we thought for sure that we had rental car coverage um, and we did not come to find out. Um, the good thing, though, um, for me in my situation is the other driver was found liable. So their insurance company is covering my damages as well as covering my rental cost, which is good because it's going to take 24 days to fix my car. Um, so I'll have a, a rental covered by that other company Um, so you definitely want to make sure as you're looking through um, your options either online or with your insurance agent that you have those additional coverages outside of your personal liability and your collision coverage now some people ask whether they should have collision coverage or not and that's going to be up to you as to the age of your vehicle Um, If something happens to it will you have it fixed Um, and that will help you decide whether you need that collision coverage, but you definitely always want to be sure that you have personal liability coverage on your vehicles. And we recommend that based on most of our client situations, you want to max that out at the 300000 and 100000 mark. Again, you can talk about this with your insurance agent um, to make sure that you have adequate coverage, but that's going to cover you in your accidents for medical bills, the other vehicle itself, any liability associated with your um, incident that you may or may not have. Um, In my case, if they didn't find the other driver liable, I would have had to cover it with my own insurance to have my vehicle um, fixed and any medical bills that we had. Um, In those situations, you can... You know, counter sue or, you know, get your insurance company to help you recover the damages. But um, you want to make sure that you have adequate coverage for yourself and um, the other side of the coin if something were to happen. So I hope that answers questions about auto insurance. I hope I covered it all, Debbie. You let me know. Well, there's a couple of things. Uh, one we didn't get to
1: in the first uh, segment was how liability coverage actually works. So In the case that Nicole was talking about, where uh, 100, 300 is how the term is usually quoted, but 100,000 in that case means that is per person in the accident, maximum per person, and 300,000 would be the total for the accident the insurance company would pay for. And when you think about um, if you're unfortunate enough to cause an accident, where someone is injured, if they uh, can't work, that mounts up pretty quickly. And if, unfortunately, if they passed away, a hundred thousand doesn't go very far towards supporting a family of someone who may have been the primary wage earner. So, the reason we suggest the one hundred three hundred uh, setup on car insurance, and we also suggest, similarly, a $300,000 liability coverage for anything where someone might get hurt at your home, is you can then add on top of that something called an umbrella liability coverage, and it is straight liability, which means if you are sued and there's um, a big claim against you because of someone being injured or, or dying, that the insurance company will pay not only that first $300,000, but they will also, if if you're found liable, also be able to pay in addition to that. And umbrella liability insurance is sold in million-dollar increments. For most of us, if we haven't amassed a lot of wealth, the $1 million on top of our primary insurance will be a good amount to uh take advantage of. And this liability insurance in most states is somewhere around $150 a year for an extra million dollars worth of coverage. So we feel that that's worthwhile. Now, I know in some states where there's an awful lot of traffic accidents and things like California, that it may be cost prohibitive to add that onto your policy, but it is always worth checking. Generally, when you get an umbrella liability coverage, it means that you are going to have your homeowners and your auto with the same insurance carrier. That's not always the case, but that's generally the case. And then that same insurance carrier would add on the coverage um, over and above uh, the base coverage. What we have found is that most of the time, people can restructure their insurance just a little bit and put in a little bit higher deductibles, get their property damage and all those things in the you know right range where it should be and add the umbrella coverage without increasing and sometimes decreasing their total bill. And one other thing that I think is important to think about when, uh, especially we live in North Carolina and we have this come up a lot on your auto insurance, be sure you have uninsured motorist coverage. Because if you're in an accident with someone who's not insured, your insurance company will not pay for it unless you have that coverage. And it's also very inexpensive for the most part. Um, of course, other things that make our premiums go up are having teenage children and uh, maybe having a few too many traffic violations, things like that. But if you're in that situation, it's good to go to some sort of an insurance brokerage Um company where they can check with different uh, carriers because some carriers specialize in different family situations some people some like single people better some like older people better some like older people worse you know it just depends on what their niche market is so be sure you check with more than one one carrier before you make a decision at least do that every few years I think you'll you'll be saving enough money to make it worth your time. Another big area of insurance that affects all of us is um, anything to do with health care. And there are a lot of different types of uh, insurances that impact our health care. As you all know, I'm sure right now, health care in the United States is in an uproar and we don't really know what's going to happen next year or after that. Uh, so we are going to be planning to devote um, a full show to just health care insurance in general for the people under Medicare age. And then we're also hoping to have a show during the month of November where we'll be talking about Medicare and Medicaid and how those work under the current rules. And we haven't heard too much about those being adjusted in the um, changes to health care in general. And it is open enrollment period starting on November 1st. So we think that that probably will be a topic that people can take advantage of. But other types of things that are related to healthcare that aren't in so much flux, one of them is dental insurance. And the thing about dental insurance, what really happens most of the time, particularly if it's a private policy, is you might pay something between $20 and $50 a month, depending on whether it's individual or family coverage, what you're really doing, in my opinion, is largely prepaying your your regular dental visits. Because the amount that the insurance company reimburses comes out fairly equal to the amount you've been sending the insurance company. So if you don't go for regular dental visits, it really isn't worthwhile. And so... But if it inspires you because you're making that payment to be more regular with going to the dentist, it's probably worth it. But it's not a great bargain. Most uh, policies have a limit on how much they'll cover of any sort of thing. So it's not going to help you with the kids' braces, things like that. Some group plans may, however, depending on the company you work for. They can be quite comprehensive or bare minimum or not exist at all. So if you have group coverage available, it's always good to check into that. As opposed to dental plans, vision plans are a really good value for most people. There's all different kinds of them. Some are simply a discount that you can get if you go to certain... um, Providers for glasses and contact lenses, Uh, VSP is the name of one that's that's quite popular, and you really will save quite a lot of money versus paying retail. Um, Things are really expensive if you need to have your prescriptions changed fairly often. You want to take advantage of anything there that can help you with that. Now, if you're fortunate enough to have perfect eyesight, then congratulations, and you may not need to worry about that. But... Um, It is a good value for the most part. And then another area where um, there is a lot of differences in what we're charged is the prescription area, and Nicole's going to do a little bit of talking about that and some things that might help you out there.
2: Yeah, the prescription drug coverage, you want to, there are several different types of prescriptions that you can get, brand name, generic. Um, and if your doctor is giving you a prescription, you want to research with your um, healthcare care provider or your insurance that you have as to what is the cost of the brand versus the generic. If there is a generic available, check with your doctor and see what their advice is on the generic versus the brand name. Um, And you can have a conversation about that. There are ways to get um, discounts. So you can find, ask your pharmacist if there's a discount card available for that given prescription. Um, You can check out, Walmart has a lot of different plans where they can get some medications at a cheaper value. So do a little legwork when you're um, given a new prescription. Um, just to see if you can't find it cheaper if you get a much higher price. Some people have a standard $5 for a generic, and then some people don't, especially those with the high-deductible-type plans themselves. Um, So research into that. Um, They also had – I was watching um, a news article – And they said that some states have what they call a gag order in place where your pharmacist is not able to tell you that the prescription is cheaper unless you ask. There's cheaper alternatives to it. So I would highly encourage you if you're getting a new prescription and it is Uh, costly to you ask your pharmacist right when you're picking it up or when you're placing the renewal whatever it is today ask them if there's a cheaper alternative to that particular drug that is uh, if you live in a state that um, allows that that gag order that null and voids that um, that order and the pharmacist is then available or able to talk to you um, about alternatives um, around that medication or if there's a cheaper one. Um, so definitely check that out um, on any of your uh, prescription drugs that you carry and know that there are alternatives or options that you have out there to find cheaper drugs.
1: Another area that you also want to check in the uh, prescriptions is different uh, pharmacies have different rates. And one of the Big ones that we're all familiar with is Walmart and they tend to on uh, the type of drugs that are commonly used have to have very good pricing on them. So it's worth making a phone call and seeing if that may make a a lower out-of-pocket cost from you, particularly if you don't have insurance that covers it Um, and also on an annual basis Check with your insurance company about the prescriptions that you have and see if they've made any changes to their policy on any of them or if they have any suggestions. Once we get up into where we're going to be talking about Medicare, then it's much easier. There's websites set up where you can just go put in your prescriptions and it'll come back and tell you what the cheapest plans are and where they're available and all that sort of thing. But for the rest of us, that um, may be just dealing with a company plan, a group insurance plan. There's uh, some discount cards out there that you can get that will reduce some of the prescriptions. Those are, are out there as part of the competition in the drug industry. If there's several similar drugs and one wants to to offer a discount in order to entice you to switch to theirs, um, you may find some
2: things available there that can help you out. That's typically in the brand name drugs, right, Debbie? Where you get the discount cards because uh, they're usually comp- yes, competing. Yes, yes. Once other? they
1: go into uh, the generic, then there is, you know, that there's not as much price difference for the most part. Okay. And I should mention that the insurances that we've covered so far are not part of the types of insurance that we offer through our company, uh, but we will help you find people to work on those with you. The type of insurances that we can help you with are disability, uh, long-term care, life insurance, those sorts of things. But there's many, many different kinds and We're going to be talking about um, the next one in the next segment that can impact a lot of people is disability insurance coverage. And that gets mixed up quite often with long-term care coverage. Disability insurance is a replacement insurance for your income if you are not able to work or partially not able to work. Long-term care insurance is if you are in a situation where you cannot take care of yourself and that you are going to be in that situation for quite a long period of time. Um, You may have a chronic illness. You might just be elderly and and have some things wrong with you that make it difficult for you to take care of yourself. So uh, the next topic is going to be disability coverage and we will get into that after the break. We're also uh, we're not going to get to all the different types of insurances on this show. Please check the website for upcoming topics so you will see when we're going to be able to finish this um, this segment. And we are going to, towards the end of the show today, talk about some of the other topics that will be coming up. And we hope you'll find those of interest. And as you can see, we're talking about money, but we're not talking about investments. So, you know, we're talking about money in general, and we're hoping to help you find some dollars to do some good things with. We'll be back right after the break. Thank you.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Think of Money Counts as your financial GPS. Our four-step process helps you discover, assess, build, and implement a strategic plan for your financial future. Our advisors will help you understand how to unleash the hidden potential of your money and obtain more of what you want with the money you already have. Life's milestones, getting married, having a child, buying a home, changing jobs, and ultimately retirement, often cause the need to rearrange your financial focus. Money Counts can help you manage your money, allowing you to manage other parts of your life. Call us today at 704-315-5623 or visit us on the web at moneycounts.biz to learn more about our services. At Money Counts, our passion is helping you unleash your money's hidden potential. Again, visit moneycounts.biz or call us at 704-315-5623. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities offered through Summit Broker Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC, advisory services offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355. Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number 704 315 5623. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. You are tuned in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential with host Debbie Peterson. If you have a question or comment about the program, please visit our Facebook page or visit moneycounts.biz. You're welcome to submit any and all questions or comments to MC Radio at moneycounts.biz. That website again is moneycounts.biz. Now back to this week's program. Hello, this is
1: Debbie back again with Money Counts and my... Team member, Nicole, and we've been talking about different kinds of common insurances. And again, what we're trying to do is look at things that typically cost us a lot of money and see if we can find some ways to save some money but still have as good value uh, for the coverages that we've chosen. So I thought this segment we would talk about income insurance, and um, it's most notably called Disability Income Uh, There's two types. There's short-term insurance, which is when you might have something happen where you've got a severe illness and you might not be able to come to work for a while or you've had an accident, maybe broken a bone or something. It's going to be a relatively short period of time. This can also come into play for pregnancies, things like that. Uh, There is insurance that You buy yourself, that's private insurance that can cover this. There's also a lot of people are fortunate enough to have group plans through their work. The group plans are significantly less expensive, and quite often they're covered by your employer. Uh, In the case that you have a claim with a group plan, what your benefit is going to be is usually determined by the type of job you have, how much income you have, and then a percentage of that would be paid to you for a certain period of time. And that period of time can vary. It's usually between um, 90 days and 180 days or six months. Some short-term policies have a one-month or two-month delay before you start collecting, and other ones will pay after the first week. So it's important to understand If you do have coverage, how it works, so that you'll know if all of a sudden, suddenly you've got pneumonia or something and can't work for three or four weeks, that there's some money that can help you with that. Now, if it's a group plan and the plan is paying those benefits to you, your employer will not also be paying for sick leave. So they try to coordinate those benefits so that if you do have a wait period of, say, that 30 days that portion of that would be covered by your sick leave, and then after that's exhausted, the other insurance would kick in. Short-term disability is also provided by some of the states that um, you can live in, and I, I mentioned we are in North Carolina now, but we do work uh, across the nation, and I formerly was in uh, New York State, and New York State has mandatory short-term disability that the government. Um, makes employers pay for so that if you are on an illness, that that will cover you. So you want to know your state laws around that too. If you pay for a disability policy out of your own pocket, any benefits you get are not taxable to you, at least at the federal level, and that's generally true at the state level. If your employer is paying for your benefits, however, they're they are subject to income taxes. So this can get us in a little bit of a bind sometimes, especially when we get past the short-term disability and now we're going into something that might take us a year or more to recover from. Um, I did have a situation in my family where my husband uh, first husband broke his neck on a construction site and it was almost three years before he was fully recovered from that and we had a couple of things happen that weren't very nice. And one of them was we had a policy that would not pay him any benefits because it was not an own occupation policy. An own occupation says if you can can do other jobs but not your own occupation, the policy will pay you. The other type, which are much less expensive, are called any occupation. That means if you can do anything, they will not pay you. So he was told that because he could still think, he was not eligible to collect his disability coverage. And needless to say, that was not what we wanted to hear at that point in time. So when you're evaluating something as critical to your family as disability coverage, if you, everyone should have it, but a lot of people can't really afford it. But if you have it, available through work or you can afford to buy it. You want to make sure that you have somebody advising you about what are the benefits of different kinds of policies, how they can be set up to help you, what situations uh, they cover. Group coverage will generally pay um, after, uh, long-term group coverage will generally pay after the first six months of a disability and as I mentioned, it may pay for own occupation for a while. It may pay uh, generally in group plans because they're so expensive for the employer. It's generally a two year coverage where your own occupation would be covered. That's a very good quality policy. Um, some of them are five years, and they used to write some that would go all the way till retirement. That's not very common anymore. There's generally a percentage of your salary that's covered and sometimes it's your salary and your bonus or your salary and your commissions. It's really important to understand that if you're in a sales position in particular because you may be getting a low base but a high percentage of commissions and those may or may not be covered by the plan. If they are not covered by your plan and you're interested in uh, making sure that you don't have a problem with that, you can do what's called a wrap policy that wraps around your group coverage that you can pay for yourself. And then that can get um, you back to a closer net amount of money that you can live on versus already being discounted. Generally, the discount is anywhere from they'll pay 50% to 70% of your um, pre-disability earnings and then earnings are defined by the policy itself so if all of a sudden your pay is cut in half and then it's also taxable if you don't have any other coverage available that can be really hard on your family and then we all I shouldn't say we all those of us who work <laughs> and pay Social Security also have some disability coverage benefits available through the Social Security Department. And that covers not only the wage earner but sometimes also some of the family members depending on what the disability uh, situation is. The amount of coverage can be as high as your full retirement amount benefit. Uh, On a monthly basis, if you are fully disabled, it does take a considerable amount of time usually to qualify for Social Security disability. Uh, There's a long wait list there. It's not an easy thing to qualify for, so you shouldn't rely on that, but if you need to, it's there, and you want to make sure that you do apply for it and that you don't get discouraged in the process if you get a lot of pushback, because that doesn't mean that you're not eligible. It just means that you need to file more paperwork. We know the government is very fond of paperwork. <laughs> um, let see. I think we've covered most of the basics there. There's a, you know, maybe delay before your your benefit kicks in. may be taxable or not taxable, and depending on the provisions of the policy, uh, there may be some exceptions that you're surprised about. So, we don't want to be surprised when we're trying to make a claim. We want to get those things determined ahead of time. You don't want to be paying for something that really has very little likelihood of helping you. And then the last thing I wanted to cover briefly is long-term care insurance, and that is when you have some sort of a, a chronic illness or maybe um, a mental disorder, these days we hear a lot about dementia and Alzheimer's as we get older and tend to live longer, but we may be healthy physically but not still able to do our daily functions. So the way long-term disability is defined generally is that you can't do two of six or seven daily living activities, and it just depends on who's writing the definition, how many they have. But those things are things like um, being able to get dressed, being able to cook food for yourself, being able to take a bath without help, being able to transfer, which is get from your bed to a chair, things like that, where you can't do that without some assistance. So you need either someone to come in your home and help you, or you may need to go to a facility to help you. It might be a rehabilitation thing after some sort of surgery. So it could be temporary or long-term. But long-term care, that is generally what um, that terminology means. And people get confused about whether when you're in retirement and you're on Medicare, whether long-term care is covered or not. And it is covered somewhat, but it has to follow a hospital stay. And the maximum amount of coverage is 100 days per year. And that is not at 100% of the cost. That is at a fixed daily rate not to exceed a certain amount, and the longer you are in your facility or having help, the lower the amount they reimburse. So if we don't have that type of coverage, and again, it's something that's uh, not inexpensive and most of us don't think about it too much until we get older. It's in that same area of healthcare where costs are rising, and because we're living so much longer, it's difficult for insurance companies to be able to determine how much is a good amount of insurance for you to have. So, there's a lot of statistics and analysis and studies about that, and if you are interested in learning more, um, you can go online and just, you know, type in... uh, What's a typical stay in a nursing home in the state you're in or what causes long-term care coverage to be needed? And you can educate yourself or, again, you can reach out to us and we will try to find some resources for you, give you some general information, and then we also do... um, Work with insurance carriers on that type of coverage and we can help you determine what might be best for your situation. For single people, they usually want to have somebody who can come into their house. So that's an area where we can help you out. So we're getting near the end of the show. I'm sure you're going to miss us. (laughs) We look forward to hearing from you and hope you'll be with us next week. And we will talk to you then.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Money Counts, unleashing your money's hidden potential. Be sure to join host Debbie Peterson again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel for another edition of our show opinions expressed with those of the speaker and are not endorsed by the named broker, dealer, or its affiliates. All information has been prepared solely for informational purposes and is not an offer to buy or sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy or sell any security or instrument or to participate in any particular trading strategy. Certain statements offered are forward-looking, including but not limited to, statements that are predictions of or indicate future events, trends, plans, or objectives. Undue reliance should not be placed on such statements because by their nature, they are subject to known and unknown risks and uncertainties. The information provided is not intended as tax or legal advice. You are encouraged to seek tax or legal advice from an independent professional advisor. Money Counts, Inc. is an independent firm with securities that are offered through registered representatives of Summit Brokerage Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services are offered through Summit Financial Group, Inc., a registered investment advisor. Summit Brokerage Services, Inc. and Summit Financial Group, Inc. are separate and unrelated to any other named entity. Debbie Peterson is a registered investment advisor located at 11121 Carmel Commons Boulevard, Suite 355, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28226. Phone number is 704-315-5623.